Welcome to the Hope Revolution messages. You'll be able to find our sermon podcast at hoperevolution.church forward slash sermon, as well as all other podcast players. We hope you enjoy this message. We are launching a new series and I'm really excited about getting stuck into this series. I really struggled preparing this message because there was so much good stuff and it doesn't have to be all solved today. We're only going to just scratch the surface today and and start the ball rolling. But what's really exciting is that there's so much more to come. We're just starting the ball rolling this morning and then as the following weeks come, there's going to be so much more for us to to gain and to benefit out of this series. I am excited about the uh, impact it's going to have on us personally, but us also collectively and in our community. I'm just going to pray. Lord, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for your presence with us. I thank you, Lord, that you are Lord of our lives, but you are also Lord of our church. And Lord, as we head into this series, Lord, I just pray that you would move in power. Lord, that you would teach our hearts. You would correct things that need correcting and you would encourage things that need encouragement, Lord God. Lord, we don't want to leave the same as we came in when we hear your word. Lord, we want to be people who hear and obey. So, Father, we pray that today would be a day that you are glorified and we are people that reflect your goodness in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Fight the good fight. When you think of a fight, there's probably about three elements you think of. The first of is what you're fighting for. There's a prize. There's an outcome. There's something that you're trying to achieve. You're trying to win. The second thing is there's a battle. There's a conflict. There's a wrestle and there's effort and and sacrifice that gets invested into a fight. And the third thing is that there's an opponent. A fight's not a fight without fighting against something. And so whether you like it or not, when there's a fight, there's conflict. Things are actually not pleasant. There's, there's things that are butting heads. When I was about 14, our family went away on a family holiday to Tasmania. Now, there's six in my family, and that's significant. You need to remember that. And we'd been on holiday for about a week driving around in our van together. And we were heading down to Port Arthur first thing in the morning, and Dad saw a bakery. Now, I've inherited my dad's genes. We love bakeries. Fresh bread, can't beat it. So he pulled over to this bakery. We all waited in the car, and he went inside. Now, I do have to say, this story is famous in my family, and you'll get six different versions of the story. So today, you're getting my version. When he came out... He had a bag full of things. There were a couple of loaves of bread, a couple of bags of bread rolls, and five apple slices. And he started handing them out. And there wasn't one for me. And I was like, hang on, where's my dessert? Where's my pastry? And he said, well, you don't like stewed apple, so I didn't get you one. You're welcome to have a bread roll. Now, as a 14-year-old, that didn't go down too well. I wasn't very impressed. We had been traveling for a week and we went in our own bed, so I'll forgive my dad for that. (laughs) But I also probably wasn't in my best behavior either. And the general consensus in the family was I threw a tantrum. I had a bit of a cry and a whinge, and I told everybody in the car how unfair it was, and it obviously didn't go down very well with my dad. There was a fight. I picked a battle and I lost because he didn't change his mind. 
There was a clear outcome I was going for. I wanted a pastry. I wanted something nice. And everybody else had something nice and I didn't. And it wasn't fair. And dad was my opponent. It's a battle, but in hindsight, I can just laugh about it. Because in the scheme of things, it really didn't matter. That apple slice wasn't going to change my life. It wasn't even going to probably make my day much better. And we can laugh as a family about that time Matt threw a tantrum on the way to Port Arthur. But today, I want to talk about a much bigger fight that goes on. And it's a fight that sometimes gets described as between light and darkness, between good and evil. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't like conflict. I don't enjoy that. And it'd be really nice to choose not to fight. The problem is, it doesn't matter how spiritual you are. It doesn't matter how much faith you've got. This fight actually affects all of us. Whether we bury our heads in the sand, the fight is happening. It would be like living in the city of Donetsk in the Ukraine, sitting there going, I don't want to be part of a war with Russia. In fact, I don't even believe in war. And you can say that as much as you want, but when tanks roll past, when bombs get dropped on your city, when you've got no power, when your kids can't go to work, when the shops don't have any food in them, you can say there's no war and you don't believe in war as much as you want. But it doesn't matter. It's actually happening all around you anyway. Have you ever felt lonely? Have you ever felt the injustice of being treated unfairly? Have you ever felt the shame or guilt of treating someone else badly? Have you ever felt worthless or insignificant? Have you ever been haunted by temptation that you just can't get rid of? Have you been trapped by fear or worry? Have you ever felt devastated by a relationship that's broken down? And do you ever feel like you're just a tiny little boat being tossed around in a big storm and you're helpless to do something about it? These are all symptoms of a war that's going on, of a battle, of a fight that's going on. And you're experiencing symptoms of this battle. Every time you have these things going on in your life, it's a reflection that things aren't right. There's conflict. There's a, there's a clash. And we're in the middle of it. And you know if you've ever experienced one of these things, you can't just pretend and it goes away. It doesn't happen. But I'm not here today and this series isn't about freaking you out and getting you worried. In fact, I can stand here right now and tell you the conclusion of this fight, of this battle, because Jesus made it very clear what the conclusion is. He said in John 16, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. He's telling us the fight's on. It's, it's there. There is a fight. He's not pretending it's all bliss. You will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus tells us to take heart. He encourages us because he can tell us what the conclusion of this fight is. I have overcome the world, says Jesus. And we can take heart and take hold of our choices as a result. We want to navigate through life 
with confidence, not in ourselves, but in knowing that Jesus has already overcome the forces that oppose God's good plan. Now, many people have taken on this fight. Over history, just think it's been over 2,000 years since Jesus walked the earth. And we're not the first ones to recognize that there's a conflict going on, that there's a battle. But sometimes we can get caught up in our own little bubbles and we forget that others have given this a crack before. We can actually learn from other people's mistakes and other people's advantage, uh, things that they've found that works. And I think sometimes we just keep doing the same things and expecting different results. And we get caught in this trap of not looking outside our bubble and going, I'm still struggling in this area, but I'm actually not doing anything different. And I think the exciting part about this series is we've got a bunch of people sharing and the idea of it is to unpack some gems, some gold, some understanding for how each of us can tackle these things, these things that we face daily, these things that we face weekly, and we can be victorious in Jesus. We don't have to keep going on the treadmill having the same experiences and getting trapped in the same ways, but we can come out and grow in maturity and be confident in what Jesus wants to teach us and and how he wants us to grow. As I said, today is just scratching the surface. And what I want to do is give you my top five foundations to approaching the fight. Now, these are things that as I read scripture and as I look at people that I've looked up to and the things that they've pointed out they've got wrong or the things that they've discovered along the road, they're just five really useful things to keep in our minds as we think about this battle. The first one is that it's not a physical fight or against other people. Yes, there is a battle going on, but first of all, it's not physical. It's not punching people. It's not using physical weapons. But it's also, and this is a bit harder for us to take as a foundation, it's actually not against other people. You might know of the story of when Jesus was arrested. They came to Jesus in the Garden of the Gethsemane and they went to arrest Jesus and Peter pulled out a knife and cut off the ear of a servant. Of a, of a, of a Yeah, servant. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. Peter, you don't get it. Those who live by the sword will die by the sword. You don't want to fight that battle. That's not where this battle is happening. That's taking things into your own hand and doing it your own way. Don't you know I could command legions of angels to come and solve this problem? If you think it's a physical battle, I would win the physical battle. But that's not where this fight occurs. And he miraculously heals the person's ear. That's not where the fight is. But often we look at other people and we think they're the problem. They are the problem as much as you and I are the problem. We don't have it all together and neither do they. But they're not actually the problem. Ephesians 6.12 says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, other people, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. People are not our enemy. They might feel like it and they might behave like it, But that's because they're deceived. That's because they're not perfect and they don't have it all together either. And their behavior 
and the things that they do that, yes, do hurt. I'm not trying to say people don't hurt people, but they do it because they don't have it all together either. And they desperately need victory in this battle as well. It's no surprise that Jesus says, pray for your enemies. Why would he say, pray for your enemies? Why would he say, give a cup of water to someone who is against you? Because they desperately need help too. We can pick the wrong fights easily. We often do. And the first thing I want us to remember is that when we fight the good fight, we're not picking the wrong fights. And these five things tie together too, so it'll make more sense as we go along. Because number four is it's not a selfish fight. And this is a space we often get trapped in. When we become the center of the picture, we look at things that are for us and against us, and we can get very selfish in our perspective and what we're fighting for and what we're fighting against. 1 Timothy 6.12 says, fight the good fight. This is Paul writing to Timothy. Fight the good fight for the true faith. Hold tightly to the eternal life to which God has called you, which you have declared so well before many witnesses. Who does the calling? God does the calling. God calls the shots. We love calling the shots. We love to be in charge and in control. But again, when we take control of the fight and we ignore God in it, it ends up carnage. Man's way of fighting ends up in more pain and more suffering and less restoration. Good and evil can be better described as the kingdom of God and everything else. We're either for God's ways or we're resisting God's ways. There's actually no middle ground. When we make it a selfish fight, we're actually working against the very thing that is best for us. God is a good God and his ways are good. And so anything that's different to that is not good. Selfishness is actually working against the good, good thing that we're meant to be fighting for. Philippians 2, 3 to 4. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. Number three, this first, an internal fight. It's so easy to get fixated on what other people are stuffing up. I don't know about you, but I, I get trapped there all the time. It's easy to see someone else's fault. It's easy to see someone else's brokenness and the battles that they've lost. It's not always so easy to admit that internally I don't have it together either. Matthew 7, this is Jesus speaking, says, And why worry about the speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite, first get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you will be able to see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. He's saying you've got to deal with your own stuff. If you can't deal with your own stuff, what sort of position do you have to deal with someone else's? And I've got to say one of the most valid criticisms of Christians is we don't live the way that we tell others they should live. And the problem isn't the Bible. The Bible's pretty clear. And this series isn't about telling the world how wrong it is. It's about us start starting with ourselves and saying, there's actually a battle, there's a wrestle in me. And I don't fight the good fight the way I should. I don't reflect Jesus 
and I don't always make the right choices and, and do the right thing. And then out of that, we can be transformed by the gospel of Jesus and have an impact on the world. How will they know we are Christians? By our love for one another. Where does that start? It starts with me. So I want to personally understand what is for God and what is against God. And then I want to choose to have nothing to do with what is against God. It's an easy thing to say, but as I'm sure you're aware, there's a battle going on. There's a fight. It's not as easy to practice as it is to say. There's a story that I'm ashamed to say has happened more than once. It happens from time to time. And the scenario goes something like this. I'm late for a meeting or I have to be somewhere, an appointment of some sort, and I'm rushing around trying to get my act together. And I can't find something I need before I leave. Where's my keys? Tan, have you used them? Catherine, did you move them when you cleaned the table this morning? I'm sure I left them on the table. Seriously, this place is a zoo. Then normally Tan will say, haven't seen them, sorry. Have you looked in the pocket of your pants that you wore yesterday? And there they are. And I sheepishly rush out the door to my appointment with an abrupt, found them, I've got to go, bye. Was my family out to get me? No. I picked a fight that was against people that wasn't even there. Let's say one of them did move my keys. Were they out to get me then? No. And even if they did deliberately do it to sabotage me, there's just something broken in their life that needs healing. But in this case, they did nothing wrong. They weren't even involved. And yet I couldn't see past the first point, and that is someone is against me. Someone's made my life hard, and I want to get them. My fight was selfish. It was inconvenient for me, and so I picked a battle that had nothing to do with God's goodness. It was just completely self-absorbed and my circumstances. And if we look at this point, where was the problem? Here I am biting and barking and, and whinging and not even actually apologizing at the end of it. I do come back often later and say, look, sorry, I've handled that poorly. But at the time, I didn't recognize where the problem was. The problem wasn't with Tanya. The problem wasn't with Catherine. The problem wasn't with my keys. The problem was me. My attitude sucked. My organization sucked. And my pride sucked that I couldn't admit it. And I duck out the door without actually dealing with the real thing, which is my attitude towards people that I love. It's a really simple example, and I'm sure you can think of examples like it in your life. The point is, I was picking the wrong battle. I was being selfish, and I didn't look at where the problem actually needed to start, which was me. Number two, God works with you for the good fight. Now, this is such a relief because there's things that we wrestle with that I think we know we can't do on our own. If we're actually brutally honest with ourselves, there's stuff that you go, I don't think I'm ever going to solve that in my life. It's really important to know that you are not alone in this fight and you're never expected. There is no expectation for you to solve this on your own. 
Yes, God expects us to work hard. In any fight, there's effort. And he calls us to a deep commitment. But he's the one that provides what we need to win. He wants our deep commitment to this good fight. But at the end of the day, he's the one that enables us. He's the one that equips us. He's the one that gives us the strategies. And he's the one that gives us the Holy Spirit that empowers us to live this out. This is not a self-help message where you've got to pull yourself up and get your act together. If you have ever tried that, I can tell you, look at the last 2,000 years. It's never worked for a single person. No person who said, I just need some more money. I just need some more time. I just need some better decision-making. It's never worked. If you look at our world and the solutions of our world, Depression is rising, anxiety is rising, fear is rising, suicide is rising. Why? Because self-help doesn't work. It's never worked. And we keep trying to do the same thing going, maybe tomorrow, if I make the right choices, it'll be better. If you look at this picture without God, you will end up in the same place that you have ended up previously when you looked at this picture without God. It's the only way this picture works. Check this verse out, Philippians 2, starting the second half of 12. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. He's not saying be lazy and sit back, God's going to do it for you. Work hard. Obey God with deep reverence and fear. Now, this is not being afraid fear. This is respect fear. Yeah, this is God's way is best and mine isn't. For God is working in you giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. His good ways, the the pleasing things of God, are things that when you commit to, he comes and he does the rest. If you ever think you're alone in this fight, the enemy's deceiving you. It's a lie. When I started this, I said there were three parts to a fight. The last thing is, that there is actually good worth fighting for. We often get fixated on the challenges and on the the wrestle and the battle and the the labor and the effort and how hard it is. But this is actually a very rewarding fight. It's a good fight because it makes a massive difference. Remember, it starts internally, so this also starts internally. What does the good worth fighting for look like? For our hearts, it looks like peace. Now, we think of peace where there's no conflict, but the biblical word peace, shalom, is actually the fullness, the wholeness of life. It's everything being right. And your hearts can be right, can be experiencing peace, can be experiencing wholeness, fullness of life, joy and hope. This is the good worth fighting for. For our minds, we get to have a renewed perspective. There's purpose, there's identity, there's belonging, there's security, there's fruitfulness. You get to feel like you're making a real difference. And our spirits are restored, reconnected to the source of life and love, free from fear and guilt and shame. Your spirit is nourished by your intimacy with God and strengthened by his Holy Spirit. Doesn't that sound something worth fighting for? 
If you walked out to the street and you said to someone, I can offer you peace, wholeness, fullness of life, joy, hope, renewed perspective, purpose, identity, belonging, security, fruitfulness, making a difference, being restored and connected to the source of life, free from fear, guilt and shame, and being nourished by your intimacy with God and strengthened by... That sounds amazing. That sounds good. I don't know a single person that doesn't want that. And the fourth part of this is it's good because it multiplies. So often in Scripture, Jesus talked about the kingdom of God being like a treasure that somebody finds. It's a ring that's lost. It's a pearl. It's a field with treasure in it. There's many stories that he gave about what the kingdom of God is like. And the point of it is it is precious, it is valuable, and it's worth more people knowing about it. But it's really easy to know about it and not experience it. Each of the stories that Jesus told about these treasures were not treasures from a far land. It wasn't pots of gold at the bottom of a rainbow. They actually experienced the treasure. A lady cleans her whole house to find a lost ring. She gets to hold that ring. She has that ring. She celebrated that ring with her friends. It wasn't just an idea about a ring. She experienced the outcome. And when we experience what it means to live out of the gospel of Jesus, it's so precious and valuable that it makes a difference to people around us. Sometimes we use words to explain it. Other times they just look at you and say, Sam, why do you have peace? The world's in turmoil. The world's going all over the place. Can't you see the battle going on? Sam says, absolutely, there's a battle going on, but I've experienced victory in the battle. Someone says, why don't you hate them? I've got a different perspective. I pray for them and for the pain they cause me. I want to bless them. I want them to experience the goodness of God because they desperately need that. They're not my enemy. They're just lost, confused, making bad choices. I really want them to make better choices and experience victory too. Yes, there was some temporary pain that I felt, but long-term I'm good because I know my saviour, that I'm loved and valued. But I don't think they know that and they hurt me out of that place of being lost and I desperately want them to experience something new. Fighting the good fight multiplies. It's weird. People don't, these five things are radical. This is not what you hear on the street. Most people, it's a dog-eat-dog, survival of the fittest, Look after yourself. Look after number one. And Jesus smashed that radically. If you want to look at how to fight the good fight, look at the life of Jesus. He could have had legions of angels come and smash things to pieces. And yet he humbled himself. He took on the posture of a servant, even though he's a king. He deserved honor. He deserved respect. And he was spat on and beaten. He could have given it to him. He really could have. But what does he say on the cross? Forgive them, Father, because they don't know what they're doing. They're like lost sheep. He didn't say that part. I'm adding this. They're like lost sheep that don't know what they're doing. Forgive them because I want to give them another chance. I want to give them an opportunity. What you realize is this is actually a fight for souls. This is a fight for people, every person. 
a creation of God that he actually created because he thinks it's special and valuable. And when we get selfish, when we pick the wrong fights, when we forget that it's actually God's fight, not our fight, we end up butting our heads against people who he's actually fighting for. We're actually working against the very thing that Jesus died for when we make people our enemies. And yet there's something so beautiful about what this looks like when it's good. I can't summarize this better than the author of the book of Hebrews. We don't know who wrote it. As I've said before, Tan's convinced Barnabas wrote it. She likes Barnabas and sort of thing that he would write because he was, he was a good bloke. But this is what it says in Hebrews 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd, huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, well, that's, that's talking about all the people that have gone before that were looking for Jesus, that were excited about Jesus coming, and they're like, they're in heaven championing the church, going, come on, church. We waited for it, but you've got it. You know Jesus. So saying, since we've got such, surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. He's not saying fight, he's saying race. Sort of similar idea that there's an effort that you're running towards a, a, a prize. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Who gives us victory? Who provides? Jesus initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, this is what victory looks like, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor besides God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. What an inspiration Jesus is. What he did was such an amazing way of saying, it's not the way the world does it, but it works. I can prove it works. I have joy and I'm seated in glory at the right hand of the Father because of the way I fought the battle. And I can declare to you that I have overcome the world. I've overcome the way the world fights because of the way I fought the good fight. And he's the only one that can achieve it. I'm excited about this battle. I'm excited about this series. I'm excited about the opportunity for us to understand and walk in the fullness of what God has prepared for us. The outcome is actually before us. The roadmap is before us. We don't have to invent all of that. But over the next 12 or so weeks, we're just going to unpack pieces of this battle, of this fight, just bit by bit, not going to solve it in a day. But I'm convinced that as we take this on, as we run with endurance, as we do our part, God is going to meet us in that place and say, I have got you. And I really, really want to journey with you in this process. He said the same thing to someone many, many years ago who was way out of his depth. This is what he said in the book of Joshua. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Now, you've got to be a little bit careful when you read Scripture. He's actually talking to a particular person, and we can think he's talking to us. 
And he's not actually saying this to me, but this is his posture towards me. This is his heart. Sometimes we can take scripture and go, well, I'm just going to make that cookie cutter be for me. And it's clear that he was talking to someone specifically. However, God is unchanging and this is his heart and his posture. This is how he treats people who are up for the fight, who are up for his fight. I love that it started, have I not commanded you? It's like he's flexing. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Like he's just got a little bit of, I'm the guy here who knows the right way. I'm in control. I'm the commander of the army. It's just, do you remember that? Yeah. And then he goes, now you be strong and courageous because you know that. Now don't you be afraid because you know that. Don't be discouraged because you know that. For I am your Lord and your God, and I'm committing to be with you in this fight. This is such an encouragement. Take so much of a weight off my shoulders that I don't have to wrestle this thing alone, that I don't have to just try to pick myself up from my bootlaces again and again. This is a fight God's committed to more than I am, and that's exciting. I'm just going to pray. Lord God, as I think about each of the people represented in this room, Lord, I know there's some battle wounds. Lord, I know there's pain. I know there's trouble. I know there's scars from past conflicts and wrestles. Lord, we like to think we're good, and yet we carry these with us as a reminder of the brokenness in us and the brokenness in people around us. So, Lord, we come to you today not because we have it all together, not because we're confident in our own position and our own choices and decisions, but, Lord, we want to participate in your good fight. Lord, I thank you so much that you have given us a way out. You have given us a way through. You have pointed us ahead to a picture that is more beautiful than we could imagine. And you said you're going to lead us there. Lord, I thank you so much for that. Lord, I know this is not an easy path. I know, that, Lord, that this costs each one that chooses to, to take it on. Lord, I know there's effort on our part, but Father, I pray that your spirit would be our encouragement today. Lord, I pray that you would stir in the hearts of each one today to be excited and encouraged and courageous to say, yes, Lord, I want to be part of your good kingdom and prepare to fight for my heart and my mind and my spirit with your help and your strength and your wisdom. Holy Spirit, I pray you would speak to hearts right now. Lord, I would pray you would soften any tensions, any fear, any worry. Lord, all those things that block us from believing, I pray, Holy Spirit, you would just strip them away now in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray for those that have wrestled for many years and not known any other way than what they know. Lord, I pray for your grace and your mercy just to pour into their hearts right now, that they would experience freedom from that in in Jesus' name right now. Just release from the pressure and the anxiety, Lord God. Lord, you are a good God. And I pray you would replace those things with a sense of belonging, that today people have found home, they found a safe place, a secure place that they can start exploring to continue exploring and to step in this next hour, this next day, this next week with a confidence that you are with them and you will guide them and lead them and empower them. Thank you, Lord, 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. If you have any questions or feedback, please email us at hello at hoperevolution.church.